AT&T knows that staying on top of your modern life is about staying connected. Whether you're at home, at work, or at play, you always need the ability to go full speed ahead. And that means you need a data plan that has your back. One that works day and night and updates constantly. Right now with AT&T, you can get unlimited talk, text, and data usage with the first 1.5 gigabytes at device speed for $40 a month on GoPhone. After a $5 account credit each month when you sign up for auto refill and make your first payment of $45. All on the network with the nation's strongest 4G LTE signal. No credit check, no annual contract, no joke. When you're unlimited, there's nothing stopping you. AT&T, mobilizing your world. Unused 1.5 gigabytes data carries over for one 30-day period if your plan renews on time. Expires after first 30-day period or with plan change. Data usage exceeding the high-speed allowance will result in reduced data speeds of up to 128 kilobytes per second for the rest of your 30-day term. Compatible device required. Get $5 credit after first order refill payment. Credit applied within 30 days. Account must be active usage and other restrictions apply. Signal strength claim based only on average 4G LTE signal strength for national carriers. See store for details. The Goldstein E. Futurist Population Health Forum. We've had an exciting morning. Uh, Dr. Kave Safave, uh, global head at Accenture Worldwide for Health, uh, gave an inspiring talk, uh, leveraging data and really pulling not just insights but foresights. Could you highlight some of those key points that you made this morning uh, to our global audience? Sure. Uh, I tried to put together some of the things that I've seen as I've worked on these issues and uh, really part of the challenge is that the term population health means many different things to many different people but on a couple of dimensions one of them is that the word health is far more than health care if you look across the country you see that in uh, when you actually ask people about their health they'll answer in terms of lifestyle nutrition environment and health care often is the fourth priority and more interesting uh, they don't even think that health care providers really have a role in some of those other areas so if we're really thinking about the health of a population we have to understand that it goes far outside the walls of the health care system the other observation is that if the principal objective here is to try to make health care costs sustainable so that society can absorb it then simply trying to eliminate failures in care coordination and care management, the kind of things that we've spent most of our time on, is good. But in the best case scenario, it only addresses about 20% of the problem. And we actually have to really think in a much more fundamental way about how do you make healthcare more productive, not just more efficient. And that conversation is beginning to occur in some parts of the world. Uh, more in the UK, for example, in the US, but I think it, that's starting to happen. And then my final observation is that there are a series of technologies, often called digital technologies, that appear to be critical to this journey. They're not by themselves enough. This is not a technology problem, but without them, it's almost impossible to solve these problems simply because of the scale of the problem and the number of people we have to reach. The huge insight that I had from your comment that said um, personal doesn't have to be in person. Yes and that there's a whole growing segment of patients that actually uh, remote pers- is, could be more personal because of vital signs. Early. Could you expand on that? Yeah. yeah. Uh, in healthcare, we think that what people want more than anything is an in-person experience with a trusted clinician. But if you get outside of healthcare, you realize that what people want more than anything 
is a highly personalized experience. And the attributes of personal include rich in information and available on their own terms. So, for example, people have looked at telehealth where they have a really high quality experience but the doctor isn't physically present. But the doctor has the ability to examine the patient and share with the patient the same information the doctor is seeing. And when patients are given a choice of a traditional visit with a doctor in a room, or the doctor not in the room but able to see, for example, the same thing the doctor sees when they look in the ear or hear their own heart sounds, there's a meaningful group of patients that say, if given those two choices, I'd rather have the information than the doctor that's present. And I gave the example that if you look outside of healthcare, we've known this for a long time. Everything from sports entertainment to when I check in at, uh, for an airplane right now, I want to pick my own seat. If they told me I'm going to give you the most polite person on the phone, I'd say no because I can't see the map. I want to pick my own seat because I get to see all the information and I get to make a decision that's very different than if somebody says, well, you can have A or B. So that kind of control and context is really a very important one. And this information technology actually allows us to take a physical interaction and by making it digital, we can add information that is actually creating a better experience for the person in, in ways that, that a person might actually prefer. You're actually creating a more experiential interaction, even though that we're not in the same room. Right. It's, they're and getting I, more information than they might get otherwise, and they're getting to consume it on their own terms. And the point you made is that you could take a face-to-face -face visit, exact same time, and the same amount of time of the, intera the remote interaction, mm -hmm. And the patient's going to feel like they spent a lot more time remotely, even though it's the exact same amount right. of time, because of the perception it was more personal yeah. and the face-to-face -face attention. That was a great point. Yeah, that finding is amazing because, and we know that that patients actually don't know how much time they're spending, but the intensity of the virtual actually gave the perception of more focus, and they thought that meant more time was spent when that wasn't the case. Right. So you also expanded on three big things, I think, social, big, and personal. Can you touch on each of those briefly? Uh, yeah, what, uh, what I see is three technology trends that are really representing themselves in this transformation that is allowing people, uh, allows us to solve some of these healthcare problems in ways we can't be before. So the big was really taking the concept of big data and helping healthcare understand that big data doesn't simply mean a complete set of data from the clinical perspective. It's actually putting data together from disparate sources and looking at the, the uh, the, chronic, the, uh, the time sequence that's actually very powerful because, for example, if you try to figure out who's going to get admitted to a hospital after they get discharged from a hospital, it turns out one of the least useful pieces of information is what diagnosis they had in the first place. But how recently they moved and how stable the home situation is is actually far more predictive. That information is not in the record, but it has a characteristic and a temporal sequence that's different. On the personal, what I described was uh, this idea that information allows people to consume an experience on their own terms, different than they would, uh, not simply that it's being delivered by a person, but they can personalize it. The social is an interesting one because we have these social platforms that we're used to thinking about for uh, personal entertainment and communication like Facebook, but no one really thinks of them as a care delivery platform. But we have some really interesting examples of a social platform given to a group of patients that then solve their own problem. A clinical trial that patients conducted on their own, on patients like me, and in the UK there is a social platform for mental health where the first level of mental health is actually provided by patients in the community, members of the community, for each other anonymously. It's all observed by clinicians, but that model has actually 
uh, demonstrated that not only do healthcare costs go down, but the patients actually feel more engaged than they do in a traditional model. And that's the big white wall. And you said, I think you indicated that one-fifth of the UK population is getting some level of behavioral health support through that social platform that's curated. Correct. Right now, one out of five citizens in the NHS have their primary access to mental health through the big white wall. And it's expanding rapidly. It's, it's actually now they're looking at business opportunities and models outside of the UK. So what, what are your key advice to employers and corporations and um, health systems and everybody kind of stuck in this transition from volume to value? Yeah. Uh, well, I think part of the challenge is trying to get clear what problem you're trying to solve. Because in the absence of that, people try little things and then they debate with each other, but they haven't actually agreed on the problem they're trying to solve. So, for example, if you're legitimately interested in trying to solve the problem of health, then understanding that it's far bigger than health care and that the levers are far outside of health care is huge. Yes. Right. If your objective is to make health care costs substantially lower and make it more sustainable, you have to understand that the levers are far more substantial than just simply coordinating care. Coordinating care is nice and important, but there are things that have nothing to do with that, including this idea that the single biggest long-term driver of healthcare costs, the reason healthcare costs goes, grows at a faster rate than GDP is because it's based on expert labor as the primary input. And that if we can't figure out a way to make this, get, deliver the same amount of care with less reliance on expert labor, long-term, it will always grow faster than GDP. It's good to eliminate units of care that we don't need, but that doesn't make the remaining units any less expensive to produce. So we might get a brief deflection of trend, but over time we'll never bend the curve if we don't solve that problem. Right. And so that's the, that's the point that you made about um, in-personal care and remote care. The remote care can be more personal, so that may allow us to substitute and use labor more intelligently exactly. and more efficiently because, and both for the patient, saving the patient time and money and productivity and otherwise. Yeah, you describe actually two benefits. On one hand, it makes the cost of care lower by allowing you to scale this expert labor. On the other hand, it gives people a perception that they got a better experience. And since the real question in our society is not, are we spending too much money? It's, are we getting our money's worth? That's a ratio. You can make that ratio better by either making what they get today less expensive or giving them more for what they spend. I actually think that's a, a real issue that we haven't completely grasped in healthcare that other industries have grasped, which is people don't necessarily want to spend less, they just don't think they're getting their money's worth. And the answer to that problem has two different strategies attached to it. So thanks for joining us at the Population Health Alliance and the comments from people afterwards walking out, people were excited and fired up. So thank you so much for sharing with us. My pleasure. Good to be here. Thank you. AT&T knows that staying on top of your modern life is about staying connected. Whether you're at home, at work, or at play, you always need the ability to go full speed ahead. And that means you need a data plan that has your back. One that works day and night and updates constantly. 
Right now with AT&T, you can get unlimited talk, text, and data usage with the first 1.5 gigabytes at device speed for $40 a month on GoPhone. After a $5 account credit each month when you sign up for auto refill and make your first payment of $45. All on the network with the nation's strongest 4G LTE signal. No credit check, no annual contract, no joke. When you're unlimited, there's nothing stopping you. AT&T, mobilizing your world. Unused 1.5 gigabytes data carries over for one 30-day period if your plan renews on time. Expires after first 30-day period or with plan change. Data usage exceeding the high-speed allowance will result in reduced data speeds of up to 128 kilobytes per second for the rest of your 30-day term. Compatible device required. Get $5 credit after first order refill payment. Credit applied within 30 days. Account must be active usage and other restrictions apply. Signal strength claim based only on average 4G LTE signal strength for national carriers. See store for details.